Hello, everyone. Welcome to another fantastic edition of the Cybersecurity Matters podcast. I'm your co-host, Dominic Vogel, and joining me, as always, is Christian Redshaw. Christian, how are you doing? Uh, a little sleep-deprived, as usual. <laughs> um, feeling the middle age, but um, I'm doing pretty good, despite that. How are you doing, sir? Oh, well, for someone who's sleep-deprived, you look pretty good. Oh, thank you. Uh, can't, can't, the, thank you. I need someone like you in my life to give me those kind of compliments. Contra- I was to give you that contrast. We're both tired. Contrast, so. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I'm excited for, for today's uh, program, and our guest today is actually someone who's Grew up in Vancouver, uh, went to the same university as me, but is now based in Brooklyn, New York. It's mm-hmm. Jennifer Brick. I believe she's a career and workplace strategist. So I'm really looking forward to that conversation today. I've heard good things about Jennifer. So let's bring her on and uh, we'll be right back. Jennifer, thank you so much for joining us on the Cybersecurity Matters podcast today. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me. Welcome. So all the way from from uh, New York City via Vancouver, BC initially. That's awesome. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Some Canadian Canadians, representation yeah. here in the big city. <laughs> we'll, we'll give you the first question. Sure. So, um, th- thought we maybe start with um, your your narrative, your, your personal story. So what's brought you to where you are today? By the way, I love the career bestie sign in the background. It's very well lit, but I'd love to hear, hear a little bit of, about your narrative in terms of where you are today. Yeah. So I took a winding path to get where I am. So first of all, uh, me and Tom have the same alum. So I studied at SFU. I studied criminology. So my intention was I'm going to be a criminal defense lawyer. That is how I'm going to spend my life only to work in a law firm and realize, oh, that isn't what I want to do at all. And that sent me onto a little bit of a career walkabout. And I landed in tech training, which was not related at all to what I studied. So actually the first place that I worked in technology was at a security software firm. And then I moved to New York and I just ended up following that career path. And when I got here, I kind of ended up transitioning into different areas, but my career grew really, really quickly once I arrived in New York City. So I quickly went from a training specialist, which is basically an entry-level role, up into like a startup executive level within a few years. So it was really fast really interesting, but also not what I wanted to do. So a few years ago, I decided to jump off of the corporate treadmill or the corporate ladder and start my own business, Um, but primarily a YouTube channel, which is not what most startup executives leave careers to do. Uh, But there was a lot of things that I, I realized as I was mentoring team members that I was working with, I really wanted to help more ambitious professionals grow in their career that just were not getting traction. Because that was something that I saw so much with the people that I was working with, people just not being given the opportunities that I thought that they really deserved. And it came down to strategic executions, uh, like basically missteps. They just didn't know that they were making. And so that's how I got here. And that's how I became your your online career bestie. I, I love that. And so much of what you've, I know you, you and I have spoken before, Jennifer, and so much of your story really resonates uh, with me. And you know, we'll be sure to include the YouTube link to uh, your YouTube page for our, our listeners and viewers, because it, it's absolutely terrific content. If you're not following Jennifer on LinkedIn, you, you definitely need to. Um, in, in, in terms of you know, this time period that we're in right now, you know, it's been labeled, you know, great resignation or um, uh, uh, what what have you. Um, 
Are we seeing a, a bit of a reckoning now where um, you know, employers have been taking employees for granted? Um, what has sort of brought us to, the, to this point and where are we moving forward? So the non-eloquent way that I like to describe this is that basically with everything that's been going on for the past couple of years, people's BS tolerance has just gone to zero. The way that we have been working historically is so antiquated. If we look at the way that the workplaces are structured in terms of nine to five schedules, wearing specific business attire, um, working in cubicles, having like these formal meetings, all of these structures are really like going back to like the 1940s, 1950s. And obviously us as a society and the way in which we actually do our work has changed so much. And I think that people having the experience of working from home, realizing that they're not just doing the same amount of work, they're probably more productive in many cases because they don't have the bounds and the stress of a commute. Um, to also just realizing that maybe their entire life purpose isn't to work. And so many companies have been so demanding to get as much as possible out of their employees without centering employee experience that people are just over it. And they've realized that there is all of these opportunities out in their world. And now is the time to pursue them. Yeah, no, that's so well stated. You know, and it, you know, talking about sort of that, that, that work culture, I, I remember even thinking back to my corporate days in you know, one of the final blows for me was that, you know, uh, they kept, my boss kept telling me, so well, if you're going to be talking to the board and executives, you know, you, you can't have a bushy beard. And I said, why the hell not? <laughs> you know, like, exactly. Right? Like, exactly. They don't care what I, I look like, you know, whether I, I have a beard or not, uh, there's the message is what's important. Right. So, and that was, that was almost eight years ago, right. you know? Uh, so I mean, my, my yes. BS tolerance ran out a long, long time ago, but, uh, um, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, on that notion, I know you, you talk a lot about toxic work culture, the toxicity of, of work cultures. Um, I'm wondering to just, just to lay out for our listeners and viewers, if you could, like, what does toxic look like um, in, 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 the, in the work setting? I'm really glad that you asked this question because it's a term that I feel like it's very trendy to talk about toxic workplaces right now and toxic work environments, but I see the term being conflated with bad work environment a lot. So I, first of all, I think that we need to differentiate those two. There's a bad job, there's a bad boss, they're annoying. There's always going to be annoyances at work, like dream jobs that you go to work and you love every single minute of every single day do not exist. Some jobs, not great for your career, not great for your happiness. Toxic work environment for me is one that is causing actual harm. That could be emotional harm. It could be psychological harm. It could, and there's other types of harm, which I won't like make this a triggering conversation for anyone listening, but there's a lot of harms and abuses that happen in the workplace. And really where I see the toxicity coming in is where this is having a lasting impact on the people that are enduring it. So we see decreases in confidence, decreases in ambition, um, decreases in their own like self-belief and self-worth that isn't just existing within that job. It's following to the next job and the job after that. Uh, that that's so so well well explained. Uh, I do have one more because I'm hogging it and I'll, I'll pass it over to, to Christian. But um, <laughs> let's see, uh, you're an employer. Maybe you, you run a startup or, or a small um, business. What? How can you set a positive or empowering work culture? What, what What can you do as an employer to 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 make um, an environment that people want to a want to work in, but b can thrive in? I think fundamentally, if you take the position of your employees are your most important customer, 
you're off to a fantastic start. Yes, you pay them to do a job. Of course you do. Yes, they're there for the paycheck. Let's not pretend that that's not one of the most important things, but also your employees, the way that you treat them is how they will treat each other. It is how they will treat your clients. It is how they will treat your business partners. So we want to set a good precedence of kindness, empathy, consideration, all of those types of things. So if you treat them like your best customers, they're going to turn around and they are going to treat your customers exceptionally. And that is good for your bottom line. That's that's really good advice. And Dominic, you went and asked a positive question. I was still in the negative side of things yet. I'm not ready to get positive yet. We can we can flip back. Okay, let's back it up. Let's let's get negative. Let's go. Let's, let's back it up and then and then land the plane. So you know when I'm thinking about the toxic work environments, I think about the the political environment. You know, office politics, workplace politics, and then you know, unhealthy competition. What are your thoughts on that, Jennifer? Yeah. So politics exists in every single workplace. And I think that at the surface that they get a bad label. And I know that a lot of people are like, oh, I don't like office politics. I don't play office politics. But essentially the way that I equate office politics is that it's game theory playing itself out. So in game theory, anytime you have two players, you have yourself a game. And there is always going to be, you know, humans are good to human. This is the thing that I love to say. And I love humans and their complexity in terms of how we relate, in terms of how we interact and how we connect. So, politic, so politics are always going to be a part of the workplace. That doesn't need to be a bad thing. But yes, to your point, there are absolutely bad politics and toxic politics. And I think really when we start to see where coworkers feel like they need to like push other people down in order for themselves to rise up and where we start to see behaviors such as sabotage, like gossiping about people behind their backs about things that really have nothing to do with work. Um, when we see it like workplace bullying happening, harassment, those types of things are like really the bad politics that I think leaders really need to keep an eye out for. And you need to get in front of them when they see people being bad actors, because I think that in general, those things, when you catch them early on, it's easy to course correct. But once it becomes prolific in your workplace culture, it is going to be very, very difficult in order to steer the ship the for other sure. way. You know, it was seemed to to me that having, um, you know, the, treating treating your employees like they're your best customers and empathy and and all, all of those things that you mentioned are are worth doing because you are potentially attracting and developing really good, uh, you know, people in your organization. Are there ways that companies and uh, say nonprofit organizations can actually showcase that they're doing this in order to attract the right people into their organization? Yeah. I think the first phase of this looks like obviously bringing it into action in terms of how you treat people and how you expect your leadership team to lead their teams. So it starts with you and it trickles down. And I think that the first phase is really where your employees start to vocalize their experience. So you'll start to see things like when you have a job posting, you're going to start to get more referrals from your employees. You are going to see them more proactively sharing job postings on sites like LinkedIn because they are so proud of where they work and they know what a phenomenal opportunity it is. You're also going to see it in terms of your employee retention because people don't leave good jobs. Mm -hmm. 
Maybe if it's for like a whack load of money, (laughs) (laughs) but most people, when they have a good thing going are more likely to stay. And it's very interesting because I've been having a lot of conversations recently with leaders, with other career coaches, with recruiters. And the trend that we have been seeing in the market is that people are much more interested in working for a company that they really enjoy being Mm -hmm. at, and they will select that over increasing their paycheck. And that's part of this like effect of the great resignation is people like, yes, you need a paycheck. Yes, you need to pay for your life and all of those Mm -hmm. things. But once those essentials have been met and everything else is a bonus, no one wants to be Mm -hmm. miserable every Mm -hmm. day or very few people want to be. I, I mean, I think maybe some people want to be miserable, yeah. but that's their choice. It's, it's about your quality of life. And I think we need to be able to put ourselves yes. in our people's shoes and realize, you know, what their daily yes. life is about and try to facilitate a better experience for them. What I'm hearing you say, Jennifer, is that actions speak louder than words. And I've been uh, exposed to and part of organizations where they have a great community oriented slogan. Um, but the internal practices are a completely different thing where, you know, profits come first, um, you know, clients come first, which is uh, a good thing, um, in terms of taking care of clients, but you're right. Um, taking care of your best internal clients first is going to have a, a lasting and outward facing effect, both on the, you know, customers, clients and profits as well. Yeah, absolutely. And actually to your point, like one of the things that I, whenever we start talking about like workplace cultures and values and mission, 90% of people that I talk to will roll their eyes because they've been in environments just like what you said, where it's like, yeah, they're like tacked up onto the wall, but they mean absolutely nothing. And in fact, the actual culture and behaviors and values that are being lived by are the exact opposite. Now it's not to say that any, again, we don't want to judge any values or behaviors as bad or good. They are just behaviors. They are a fit for some people and not a fit for others, but being clear on what your values are as a company and being in alignment, recruiting and having expectations with people in alignment is going to help the right people come into your company in the first yeah. place. You know, I, I think Jennifer back to uh, experiences that I've had as well, when it comes to negotiation as an employee, you're trying to negotiate, you know, terms and salaries and that kind of thing with your, uh, with your company. Um, it's really interesting to think about, um, the seven habits of highly effective people and Stephen Covey, where he talks about win-win or no deal. And you've got these people that have win-win scripting, win-lose scripting and lose-win scripting, right? So I think there's a lot of uh, companies that have a culture, an actual culture of we win, you lose. Yes, we won that negotiation. And I remember, you know, I feel like I'm a decent negotiator and I really, I really gave it my best uh, in that series of negotiations. And they're like, wow, you're a good negotiator. But still, no, you know, we're going to stick to our guns on on this, you know, not these not great terms. And I'm thinking right then they lost me. It's just a matter of time until I find where I actually want to land and, and find a home for myself at that point. Right. So have you um, have you had a similar experience? Yeah, absolutely. So to me, that's one of the red flags. Again, depending, like if you're the type of person that kind of takes the approach of one lose, because there is different negotiation styles and there's, you know, again, like I don't want to judge anything as being right or wrong. I find for most people, finding ways to construct win-win situations is situations where everybody is happy. Who doesn't? Who would have thought that? that, (laughs) (laughs) Like vast majority of people, that it is going to be their tendency. Um, I think, especially with right now, with what's going on in the market and salaries are going a little bit crazy. 
I think this is a scenario that a lot of people are actually finding themselves in right now as well of their expectations are at X because they know that's what the market is willing to pay, but the opportunity they want is willing to pay Y. And I think that ultimately, if you accept a salary that is lower than what you are worth, you're starting off feeling devalued. And I don't know if there's going to be a way for them to compensate for that because when that's the start, if when that's the origin and the foundation of the relationship, how are they going to treat you when you're going in? And this is one way, again, like if I if I'm coming at it as a hiring manager and as a leader, I want people to know how valued they are. But it's like hiring is like dating. You want to make the best first impression possible so that they like agree to marry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you you want to yeah. trap them, right? <laughs> Not trap, but you know what I mean. That's an accurate um, word. So you, like, but this is like <laughs> start off on the right foot. How's that? So you, you absolutely want to start yeah. off on the right foot. So you don't want anyone starting off on their first day with any level of, of resentment. And as a leader of a company, I don't want to feel any resentment towards people. So ultimately, like, and I think one of the paradigm shifts that people can take when they're on the I want this offer, but they're not willing to pay side is that remember that they're valuing like the discussions are valuing the role. They're not valuing you. It's your expected contribution. And then as a leader, if I'm having that conversation with someone, to me, what I'm trying to evaluate is what value are they bringing to my organization? And if they're asking for five or $10,000 more, if I give them that, I'm still getting an ROI. So can I still justify that? Because if I'm getting the right person, which if you've gone through all of the resumes, you've done your outbound recruiting, you've done interviews, probably multiple rounds to decide that this is your person. Why is the tripping point going to be over a few thousand mm-hmm. dollars? Yeah, yeah that's, that's a very, very good true. point. So, so true. Um, Jeffrey, just t- time for one more question, you know, for our viewers and listeners who um, are just really intrigued with what you have to say and, you know, they're in search of a career bestie. How, how's the best way that they can get in contact with you? Okay. So my, the main place that you're going to find me is over on YouTube. So you can go to youtube.com slash C slash Jennifer Brick, or just search Jennifer Brick. I will pop right up. And I have a plethora of videos that actually deep dive into all of the things that we were talking about today. I also hang out over on LinkedIn. So you can just go to LinkedIn. I'm Jennifer Brick there as well. Um, or my website is capdecasolutions.com. Amazing. And we'll be including those links for our viewers and listeners. And, uh, when the podcast comes out, but Jennifer, uh, First of all, for for the record, I think you would have made a, a terrific uh, criminal lawyer, but I'm glad that you didn't go down that path because it allowed us to ha- cross paths with you, allowed us to have you on our podcast. And we really, really, really appreciate that. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. Awesome. Christian and I will be right back to wrap up today's episode. That was an incredibly insightful conversation there with, with Jennifer. I mean, especially during this this time period, you know, with the great resignation, um, Jennifer laid out some really interesting insights in terms of toxic work cultures and how to create you know, more of a positive, empowering work culture. But mm-hmm. uh, curious to, to know your thoughts. Yeah, you know, I thought that it was really cool because she's helping people to get the right careers and watch out for red flags. So all these lessons learned from the other, from the candidate side, uh, I think is going to be helpful for business leaders. Uh, I think the first one that comes to my mind is treat your uh, employees like they're your best customer, right? Number one, Uh, number two, actions speak louder than words. So it's about implementing 
uh, a healthy culture and bringing kindness and respect and all of those good things into the uh, organization. Yes. The other thing too is, you know, starting the relationship out on the right foot. Yes. Uh, negotiating with respect and with a win-win. You know, that those are the things that I get at, uh, that I got out of it because, you know, that um, will avoid resentment, yeah. which you really don't want because at the end of the day, as I slap the microphone because I get excited, <laughs> um, you know, you want to have a, a long-term employee that is able to grow in your organization and and be an asset for you. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I'm sure that microphone is incredibly resentful of you with the way you treat it. But um, <laughs> we're very grateful to to, to Jennifer for uh, taking time of her day to join us on the podcast. It was just full of great insight. And uh, as always, we hope that uh, our loyal listeners and viewers enjoyed uh, today's episode. Uh, we always appreciate you tuning in each and every week. Uh, for previous uh, podcast episodes, do check out uh, the Cybersecurity Matters podcast on your favorite podcasting platform and on the Cybersecurity Matters YouTube page. Uh, but until next time, be well and be safe, and we'll see you again on the Cybersecurity Matters podcast. 